Hi, and welcome back to the Relatively Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lady. I'm a freelance digital marketer and advocate for continued learning and self-development. This podcast is for anyone looking to learn from their peers about the lessons and growth from vulnerabilities, struggles, and adversities they faced in life. Today's episode is with someone formerly in the film industry studying to become a registered dietitian and has a side passion of portrait photography. Ladies and gentlemen, Kylie Pichotto. Kylie, how's it going today? It's going good. <laughs> it's going good. Where are you calling great. in from? Um, I'm calling from Sacramento. Um, yeah, and it's nice and rainy today. So it's Oh, nice. yeah. Wonderful nice lovely. rain. Mm-hmm. Cuddling all, all up in some blankets and such. Oh, like you know it. Yeah. Um, so Sacramento, that's where mm-hmm. we met about a year ago. Yes. Um, have you always lived in Sac or in the Sac area? Yeah, born and raised in the Sac area. Technically not from Sacramento. I'm from Orangevale, which is a small city, but in Sacramento County, but no one knows where that is. So I just say Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like north, like 30, 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. It's not in Sacramento specifically, but you know, Sacramento yeah. County, so it still counts. <laughs> yeah, Fine. definitely. Definitely still counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have, uh, do you have any siblings? Yes, I have one older sister. We're three years apart, but we're very close. Um, some people find that kind of weird, but I'm very close with my siblings. I know you are too, though. Yeah. With your brother. And, mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. three years older as well. So it's like kind of the same thing. Dynamic. Um, yeah. Yeah. We probably don't talk as much as you guys. Yeah. Because he's in Vegas, but like it's. Yeah. I can. I still feel pretty comfortable talking to him. About Wait, are we the same age, Matt? I'm 25, and in oh, yeah. two months, yeah, two months, I turn 26. Okay, yeah, we're basically the same age. I just turned yeah. 25 too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so older sister, three years older. Mm-hmm. You guys are super close and tight. Um, and then you grew up in Orangevale, and then you. Uh, after high school, uh, did you go to college or yeah, work? Yeah. Or? Um, I so I didn't really I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went to community college, and I did that for about three years. And then I decided I wanted to do cinema and pursue kind of like the television, film industry sort of thing. Um, and when I transferred, I went to San Francisco State University, and I did that for two years. So I got my degree in cinema from there. And then after, I mean, I guess it's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about some of the things that I went through, but I, after I graduated and I was working in the film industry, doing a lot of production assistant jobs. And for people who don't know what that entails, it's kind of like the bottom person of the film industry. You're the person like running errands. You're usually the first ones there and the last to leave. And I would have like call times at 4am sometimes. And you kind of just do whatever they need. And I it was good when I was there, but they would stress me out to the max. And I just Mm. wasn't enjoying myself. And I was realizing I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing, which was to be like helping people or I realized I liked the stability of certain jobs. And that was just never going to give it to me. So I really started getting into kind of just seeing food as a cure. And because I got this book one time of, it was actually called Food Cures. And it was the idea of using food as medicine or trying to like, help your symptoms and whatnot. And I really got into that, especially because I was dealing with my own medical conditions at the time. And then yeah, and then I just really started pursuing nutrition. And that's kind of where I am now. 
so that was a lot. So yeah, I'm gonna, there's a lot in there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna break it down and go back okay. a little bit. So first, did you growing up? Did you know that you wanted to be in film, or was that kind of a passion you found out through community college? Um, no, it's funny is I never really knew what I wanted to do. Even in high school, they really kind of start like trying to mold you and be like, "What do you want to do with your life?" And you're like, "I'm in high school. I don't know." Yeah. Um, and I think I originally was looking in the medical feel just because I was like, that seems like what everyone does. That seems like the the route to go. So I was looking into kind of like nursing things or stuff like that. But I never really wanted to do nursing or the medical field. And then my cousin, she actually majored in, uh, what is it, like film and television or something. And I was like, that's a major, like you can do that. <laughs> and I, I didn't really know that was a thing. And then I I think I told my parents that I wanted to pursue that. And at first they were like, what are you going to do with that? That's not like a viable option. But then they really had the mindset of kind of just like get a degree in whatever that you enjoy and are passionate about. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of jobs, you know, you can just kind of go from there. But yeah, I think it was when I was in community college, I started taking kind of like film classes or editing classes and really liked it. I also think I got swept up in the kind of, grandiose world of like film and television and like really wanted to be a part of this like oh it's such a like bougie kind of thing yeah. or I don't even know and I I always had like a creative side too so it was kind of like I wanted to make things and it and it still is very much a passion of mine I love movies I love um all the kind of work that goes into it and editing and whatnot but mm-hmm. for me and my lifestyle personally it wasn't a good fit but yeah Okay. So then uh, you went to uh, San Francisco State yeah. for film mm-hmm. and you were there for two years. You had, do you have any jobs or internships like during college or is it only yeah, after college? I, okay. I had, so actually how I got into this whole thing, I think it was my second year. I was doing like catering and stuff my first year. And then my second year, I, um, well, how did I even find? I think I was just like on some Facebook group. It was like something in the Bay Area film mm-hmm. networking thing. I don't really remember, but there was like an ad posting for they needed a production assistant for like the art department, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, hi, I'm really interested in this and everything." And it was unpaid, obviously, because that's how a lot of the <laughs> things start. And I was emailing this one woman. And then she was like, oh, well, like the art production assistant job is like full, but like we still need just like regular production assistants if you're interested. And I was like, heck yes, I'm interested. And so I was a production assistant for a short film called American Paradise, which was actually the prequel or like the, um, I don't even know how you say it. It was just like a short film for the last black man in San Francisco. And it's by the same director. But either way, that was kind of what got my foot in the door was this free job. So if anyone is interested in the industry, just taking any job you can, even if it's free, will get you so many connections and so many people. Because like from that job, I started getting paying gigs from people who like I think it was the producer from that short film who then like 
hired me for some job. And then it was like from that job, I met a producer from that. And then, and then it just like becomes like a whole thing. And then, um, and then I started getting jobs from that and kind of being like people's go-to person if they had any production assistant jobs. Sweet. But yeah, Yeah. then I started doing that during school. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an interesting point you touch on of like, if you're interested in something and can't get a paying job, Mm -hmm. don't be above like an unpaid internship or opportunity. Um, I know there's a lot of, um, not necessarily controversy, but discussion around free work mm-hmm. and that people should always be paid for their work and time, which I I want to agree to, to an extent, but yeah. if you're, if you're truly passionate about something and want to break in and get connected with these top level people mm-hmm. and access their networks and their knowledge and their decades of experience, yeah. then you kind of have to like eat shit and like yeah. work like work hard to get in there sometimes. I know it that is a really hard thing where it's like you should be paid for what you're doing, but I think where when you're dealing with things or um like job industries that are very saturated, sometimes you kind of have to do some free work just because like I didn't have any experience either, so I had like nothing to be like, oh, I've done all these things. So I really like when you don't have the experience, like taking any free job you can really does um, help you out. And I know so many people, like so many of my friends were doing that too. And I think it just really opens up a lot of doors for you and stuff like that. Because I remember there was one guy who he was getting his master's in like cinematography and like hadn't really done anything other than some student films. But I remember like talking to him and he really was like, I'm not going to do anything except for be a cinematographer stuff. And I was like, the chances of you getting like a cinematography job straight away or like slim to none, like unless you're just some child prodigy, but then even then you need the exposure and whatnot. So it's just kind of like, I don't, I don't think there's any, like, I just feel like his pride was too much. And it's just like, especially when you're working in the film industry where it is very collaborative and very much kind of like people really do appreciate you when you go above and beyond and help out. And Cause that's like what happened for me when I was doing the free job, I was very, you know, I was a really good like employee or worker or whatever mm-hmm. and people like liked me. And so that's how I got hired for jobs. So I think it's like for anything, really people really appreciate seeing how a person is and then they're willing to hire you for paid work. So I yeah, don't know. totally. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I lean more towards your line of thinking. Yeah. Um, there's some people that are super diehard on, People, there's no such thing as unpaid work, always get yeah. paid. If especially if you're just starting off, you don't have experience. Yeah. Like it's, it's a pretty valuable uh I think it's leverage. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I just want to work for free. Here's my work. If you don't like it, don't use it, or here's my time. Mm-hmm. And then uh you find out you love it, or you find out even better sometimes you don't actually like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So then uh in your case, you liked it initially. But then mm-hmm. over time, it evolved into something that you didn't like. Yeah. And that was the thing was that I was like realizing, oh, I could really network and try to further my career in this. But I was like, I really want to. <laughs> so I just kind of was like, yeah, I'm fine just kind of staying here in this position. But I think what's interesting for you, and I feel like where you're getting a lot of people who are like, you should, you know, get paid for what you're doing, I think has to do with a lot of freelance work. And that is a trickier thing to do maneuver sort of because then you're really like I'm getting I feel like I should be getting paid for my services because you're trying to promote yourself sort of and I think the same thing where like taking some free jobs 
originally to like build up that clientele and start with that is really good. And then I think from that, you can like have other people who are like, oh, wow, that was really cool. And then they'll offer to pay you money. Because I think it's like if someone does respect you and has the resources to do it, they should be paying you. And but I yeah, it is a tricky thing to kind of deal with. Definitely. And it seems like it spans uh, across industries and mm-hmm. film, marketing, business, uh, a lot in the art and creative kind of design world, too. I know it's a it's a big point of contention there. But yeah. um, so you took the free job and then you, it led to other paying jobs. Mm-hmm. And then you graduated and then you got a jo- multiple jobs still, or is it kind of working yeah. for one company well, or is it kind of, this actually, so it kind of goes into it was, um, I think it was my last year, but it was my first semester. So I had like, after that I had one more semester until I graduated. But what happened was I was in one of my classes and I, the, we were watching some like scene in a movie and it just really started like weirding me out. And then I was feeling really nauseous and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw up. But then I started having a panic attack and I didn't know I was having a panic attack. So I was like, I'm dying. I'm legitimately dying right now. And then, um, and so then I ended up passing out and then it was this whole thing. Cause they like the whole class was like, they got the teacher and everyone was staring at me. And like, if you know me, I don't like a lot of attention mm-hmm. that way or stuff. So it was very like, at the time I was like joking about it and everything, but I started after that getting a lot of panic attacks because I didn't know what they were at the time. And so I just was like, what is happening to me? Mm-hmm. And then that really led to me having a lot of anxiety and that kind of ultimately led to like depression and it just really snowballed. Um, and we'll probably get into talking about this in a little bit, but after that I had one semester left and was still getting called for a lot of these like production assistant jobs. And for someone who was already really stressed out doing these jobs that were very, um, to me, high stress and very, just because they were very unpredictable. Like I never knew who I was like going to be working with as much or what I was going to be doing for my job. And that always really stressed me out. Cause I was like, uh, what am I going to be doing? Where am I going to be sort of thing? And, um, so I was still doing them because I felt like I had to, cause I was like, this is the field I want to be in. I need to get this work experience and everything. So mm-hmm. I was really like white knuckling through it and it was really tough. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah. Um, but then after I graduated, I still, I went through like a year of where I didn't really do anything and I was taking some of those jobs still, but every time it was just such a, such like, a work up for me to do. I was like, cause that was the thing I moved back to Sacramento and the jobs were always in the Bay area. So it was like, I would have to drive and it was just a whole thing. And I was stressing out all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started being like, is this what I want to be doing with my life? Is this like what I want for me? You know, sort of thing. It was that feeling of like, I feel like I have to be doing this. And I was like, I don't really think I want to anymore. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that those kind of jobs, just from the what you described mm-hmm. in this episode and our, our past conversations, is that you show up at four or five AM mm-hmm. and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. You you can you cannot plan, you cannot organize mm-hmm. like ahead of time. You yeah. just show up and then people tell you, go do this, go do this, then do that. And then sometimes probably while you're doing task A, like, oh, do this task instead. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, I have these two priorities. Yeah. And it's probably like multiplied by several 
Talk and it's just that, like but. it's like stupid little things too where it was like knowing I couldn't use the bathroom sometimes being like I can't even go pee if I needed to like yeah and it was just like those kinds of things that would like stress me out and I just was like man I don't I, is this what I want like yeah. that, that's where I started realizing like because I know so many people who love it and they you know they love the hustle and bustle of it and um and like but i know it still stresses so many people out who work in the industry like um there would like be people talking especially uh for people who are assistant directors usually they were like they would die at like 65 or something just because they were so stressed and i was like cool it's like i'm already super stressed out about everything and then when like people are telling me stories of this i'm like all right this is great love it yeah. and i just was yeah so it's either it's one of those things where it's like if you love it then like you keep doing it and you're enjoying it still but I wasn't even enjoying it so I was like why am I putting myself through this if I'm not mm-hmm. even you know this isn't like a goal I want to be working towards yeah yeah that's that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a good point and mm-hmm. it le- leads you to like reassess you're like okay shit now what do I actually want to do mm-hmm. um what can I either, are you trying to figure out like what you can do with your degree or are you kind of like considering going back to school or like kind of how did you end up getting um, to diet, like dietary? Yeah. So basically um, I feel like I have to give you my whole spiel because it kind of goes from where I was having, it was like my last semester of school. And when I was having panic attacks, it just like really spiraled out of control. Mm -hmm. I was living in an apartment with oh, was it four other girls and it was just a really bad environment it was like our place was disgusting because my roommates would never clean and we were getting like ants I still have like PTSD from freaking ants I was yeah. like anytime I see an ant I like lose my mind um but it just was not a good environment the three girls were nice and they were nice to me but they didn't like my other friend and it was just very toxic and so already my home life was not uh an enjoyable place to be yeah, and that's huge yeah if, if you don't feel huge. safe and comfortable or relaxed at home mm-hmm. when you're actually working or out and about how and you're stressed and busy yeah. and you can't you can't even come home and have that safe space that's mm-hmm. that's insane i i've learned that as well yeah so i can, I can only like relate to yeah we've talked about that, that how much mm-hmm. like changing your space can help tremendously like yeah and I, I think it's something you don't realize because you're just like I feel like a lot of the times we just power through and like white knuckle so many things mm-hmm. and it's not until you move and you're like, Oh wow. Like this made a big difference. Like, yeah, this is really good. No doubt. So, uh, back on track, mm-hmm. uh, bad roommates and oh, yeah. apartment situation. And then, and then, um, and then, like I said, I was still having panic attacks and I was also, I was never one to be homesick, but I was extremely homesick. Um, And I think it was just because I was feeling very vulnerable. Like I was going through this thing that I didn't understand, wasn't feeling supported. Um, And like I said, my home situation wasn't comforting. And like I had friends there who were really sweet and stuff. And when we would hang out, it was great. But then whenever I would leave, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm by myself again. So um, I, I was, where was I talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was going through that and it got to the point where I there were like times I wouldn't go to class because I would have a panic attack in class. And that's when I was kind of like, I need to sort this out. So I started going to see a therapist and, um, 
and this kind of goes with the whole stigma of everything was that I, um, I had a really hard time dealing with the fact that I had a mental illness. Essentially. I, um, think I grew up in a family that was very, never either said anything about it or talked about if they had any issues. And it was a very much kind of like, just deal with it, get over it kind of thing and power through. And so I dealt with a lot of shame. I felt like I was a failure in a lot of ways. I was very hard on myself. I would beat myself up for it. Anytime I would have a panic attack, I would just instantly go into a depressive state because I was just so like, you know, distraught and so upset with myself. And that essentially just kept getting worse because I, Mm -hmm. it's a vicious cycle that you go through. And I got to the point where I, I started getting acid reflux because I was just stressed out like 24 seven. And I think when I had that, I, I just like lost it. I just had like a mental breakdown and I called my family and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And my poor mom, (laughs) she freaked out because obviously if your daughter called and says, I can't do this anymore, you're, you know, you go to like, yeah, they're like, oh my God, they're going to hurt themselves. And I was like, no, I just can't do school anymore. I was like, I can't be here. Mm -hmm. And so my parents are the sweetest and they drove up that night because I called them like the middle of the night. So they got ready and then they met me in San Francisco and um, we kind of realized because I was so close to finishing school. I was like a month and a half away from graduating. Mm-hmm. And luckily I had a family friend who lived really close by. And so they moved me out of my apartment essentially. And I moved in with him. Mm-hmm. And I also went on medication at the time. And for the longest time, I was really against medication. I was really like, this is Once again, the stigma of it is the like, I don't want to have to need something to, you know, fix myself essentially. And even saying things like, I need to fix myself. I would say that all the time where I'm like, I, and I would say stuff where I'm like, why can't I just like be how I was and just like hated the state I was in. Yeah. And, um, but yeah. And then once I moved, I finally got to the thing where I was like, I'm going to take some medication because I, at this point, I was like, I need to really make some changes. And there's really nothing wrong with taking medication. I don't know why I got so in this mindset of like taking medication was like the final acceptance of failure. Like I don't, (laughs) and, um, but anyways, I went on that and then I changed my environment and my family was the freaking best. Like my mom stayed with me for a week and then like my cousin stayed with me. So when I was like going through all of this and, and then it was, by like the last three weeks of school, I was like by myself and like could do everything. I was feeling like it wasn't like great, but was feeling so much better than I was. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah. And I essentially, after I graduated, I had a big fear of like working because my anxiety was like feeling trapped. And I felt like any job I was afraid, like, oh my God, I'm going to have a panic attack in my job. And then like, my biggest fear was always like, what are people going to think of me sort of thing? And, and that's when I because I was having a lot of like stomach issues. And so that's where I got back into the the food as like a healing thing. And I just felt so anytime I was researching that stuff, I was like, this is, I was like, I can see this is the field I want to work in. This is what I want to pursue. And I, I realized I had to go back to school, which was like, 
you know, pretty terrifying for me at the time. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to put myself through this again. But I was so motivated. I had that kind of like that light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing where I was like, this is stressful, but this is something I want to pursue. Whereas when I was still taking those film jobs, I was like, I just felt like I was white knuckling it and I hated every second of it. Like the people were great. And when I was there, it was like totally fine. But I just did not. I was like, this is not what I want for my life. I was like, these are, I don't want to pursue this. And, and that was a hard thing to come to too. Cause then once again, I was like, I'm a failure. Like I'm letting everyone down. Like yeah. I felt like, Oh, it defeated me sort of thing. But I really just took me being like, I need to do what's best for me and what I want to do. And that's where I decided I was like, nutrition is what I want to do. And I remember going to school over summer and I was like, um, can I will say I was gonna like say I was gonna say a bad word, but I didn't. <laughs> you can say whatever. Okay, you <laughs> I was shitting bricks basically. <laughs> I was freaking out, and um, I I went and I was like freaking out while I was in class, but I still was like, this is what I want to do. But I really was like, I just kind of had to force myself to go because I, but I was fine dealing with that kind of stress because I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I was fine working through it. Cause I was like, this is what I want to be doing. And I remember even one time I had a panic attack in class and I left and I was like, why am I doing this? Ooh, I can't do this. And then I literally just like took a little walk around. And then I was like, I, cause at this point I had really been like working on my self-talk and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is fine. Like you can just go back in. If you start freaking out, you can go outside for a little bit, take a breather and then go back in. And I think that was the only time I ever had a panic attack again in a classroom. And um, yeah, I just, it started getting so much easier the more I went and I was loving it. I was loving learning about all the science and everything. And yeah, I just really got into this and started pursuing it. And I could like really see like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. This is what makes me feel good. This gives me both the, um, the feeling of, security and because I was like this is like I like I said earlier I like the steadiness of a job like having a routine and I was like and there's nothing wrong with that that's where I think I felt like I was a failure where I was like it's nothing shameful to admit that you're like I like routine I like having kind of something I know what's going to be happening every day I know where I'm going to go for work and yeah and then I've just been really thankful ever since and then it's been two years now and I almost never have like a full blown panic attack. I can't remember the last time, maybe when we were um, planning our trip to LA, that was, that was a rough one. But, but then once we were in LA, like I was totally fine. So, and that was a big step for me too. I remember talking to you about that where I was like, I really like want to travel and I want to do this, but I'm like freaking out. But you're like, Mm -hmm. let's just go, let's do it. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And then I still can't believe we actually went, but it was so great. Um, yeah. And I was really proud of myself for that. Good. Mm-hmm. I know. That was awesome. And that was, uh, again, um, a lot. So I'm going to yeah. try to pull out a few things. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> first, first thing is um, when you decided you wanted mm-hmm. to go to a therapist, Yes. did you decide that? Did you, like, research that online? Did you, like... Like, how did you come to that conclusion? I, my mom always says, she was like, you were very proactive because I was, I was like, I, it didn't take me long to realize that I needed help. I was like, 
I can't do this on my own. And I was really seeking um, like kind of outside guidance. And I think I, I think I went to a doctor because I was like, what is happening to me? I was like, and they're like, I think you're having like panic attacks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, and then I think they referred me to see a therapist and then, but then I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And, um, and so I was doing group classes and which I wasn't as big a fan of. I felt like they weren't as helpful. Mm -hmm. And something that I would want to share with people is I had seen, I saw, so I had my therapist that was in San Francisco and like, she was fine and it was like pretty good. And then when I moved back to Sacramento, I found a new therapist and I just wasn't really feeling it. I was like, I don't think she's doing that great. <laughs> and that's so funny as I was always like, I really want a female therapist because I'll feel more comfortable and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the therapist I have now is a guy and I love him. He's the best. And so I think, cause I know some people like therapy is not their jam. It doesn't work for them and that's totally fine. But I also would encourage that if you feel like someone's not working for you, like try finding someone new because I think um, it, because at first I was just like, they should all be the same. They should like, you know, know what to do, but they're not. And um, it's kind of, I think you need to tell them what you want from therapy and then having, and then just finding someone who matches that. Yeah. This is the outcome I want. This is what I'm currently facing. Mm-hmm. This is what I faced in the past. And like, help me get past this point. Mm-hmm. Where, like, um, and not just giving up after one person, like you said. Yeah. Um, I've been through a couple too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And so, um, but for you to actually get yourself to therapy mm-hmm. and referral, did you have any trouble with that? Because I've had a few friends where I've, Literally, they didn't. They need. They know they needed to go, mm-hmm. and they like scheduled the appointment, but they couldn't like get themselves to go. They oh. had to. They're like, Matt, can you come with me and literally just walk with me into the office and like yeah. sit in the waiting room and wait for me? No, like, it so- was so hard. I would <laughs> like the first group class I went to. I cried. My first like couple th- like every time I went to therapy, I cried. I cried yeah. when I checked in. I was just crying all the time because like yeah. I said it was really I really had that stigma of mm-hmm. I'm a failure like oh my god I'm I think it was like 22 at the time and I was like and I need therapy like I was just I was not dealing with it well like I said and that yeah. mostly just came from the stigma of it but I still forced myself to go because I was like I I need to do something because me on my own wasn't working and exactly. but my god like every freaking time I would just cry. <laughs> I would get to my therapist and like before she would even say anything, I would just be crying. There's a lot of crying. There's so many tears. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of tears yeah. in therapy. I can, I, I can relate there, but mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, um, that's good that you made yourself go and you mm-hmm. had the self-awareness to be like, what I'm doing now and where I'm at now is not working. Yeah. Like, like you're like, I feel like I've exhausted all my options. Mm-hmm. And I've tried different things and, I need help. And that is fine. That is more than okay. For sure. A lot of people need help with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like taking care of your mind is just, it's still stigmatized. That's like you, people like, Oh, you're going to the doctor to look at your blood work. Mm -hmm. Like no one gives you shit for that. Yeah. Like, or like, Oh, my knee hurts. Like no one's like, ah, why are you going to the doctor? (laughs) You know? So it's like, 
it's just so frustrating. And I think, so- like, now, because that was the thing, too, I, like I said, when I was going to the group classes, it was all, like, middle-aged people, and so that made me mm-hmm. feel worse where I was just, like, that's why I said it didn't work for me as much because they were like, and my kids. And I was like, I can't relate to any of this. <laughs> I was yeah. like, and I felt like I was the only one like my age going through this. But then I found like other friends who were going through it. And then I found like through kind of sharing my stuff, I like made people feel like they could open up and share stuff. And it, it just made me feel so much better and less like, like a weirdo. Like I remember like walking around campus and being like, I am the only one going through anything, which is so not true, but that's like no, how you feel. Yeah. You feel so mm-hmm. isolated and like, and I think that's why I think like having an open discussion about like, you know, mental illness is such an important thing. And I think there is kind of a, a movement towards it now. And I feel like there's a lot more people who are open about it, but I feel like even when people talk about it, it just feels sometimes depending on the state you're in, it feels like such you're like, no one's going through what I'm going through sort of thing. Like it feels very isolated. And I struggled too, because I had such a hard time being like, like I was like, I'm so fortunate. I was like, um, cause I was in school. I didn't really have to worry financially. So I didn't have that stress. I was like, I don't have kids to worry about. Like I'm just very privileged. And I, and so I would feel guilty for like going through this. Cause I was like, I should be fine. Like I have nothing that, should like force me to be stressed and whatever so it was like it was dealing with that and kind of dealing with that guilt of like I shouldn't I would just be like "Ah, whatever I should just get over it sort of thing but everyone goes through things and no matter what circumstance you're in like it's not your fault for feeling how you're feeling and I think like you're important too like you need to take care of yourself and I don't know I think I like I said I just was going through so many things in my head where I was just like I feel like a failure I feel I was like oh my god I'm so stupid for going through this I don't you know there's so many other horrible things in the world like yeah why am I you know sort of thing then you start playing that like vicious victim yeah yeah oh why me but then you start feeling bad about feeling bad about yourself Yeah, yeah yeah then you compare yourself to other people but they have their own entire life and context and mm-hmm. own thoughts and yeah. own mind it works different than your mind yeah not all minds work the same and all feelings are processed differently mm-hmm. so it's and they have different life um childhoods mm-hmm. and so th- th- you have different childhood traumas potentially or accidents yeah. or events that had happened yeah um so it's like i god you're preaching you're preaching here yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been through a lot of this too mm-hmm. so i just i can relate uh, very well and I yeah. hope other people understand and don't feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. Um, that point about um, you brought up the medication mm-hmm. of like, oh, I don't w- want to do this or resort to it. Yeah. Um, this is the last stand sort of thing. It's just like maybe your body just chemically is off balance. Yeah. And whether that has something to do with your lifestyle and your habits and your eating or your mm-hmm. drinking and drugs or not, you don't know. So it's like. It, I think it can be an option and uh, it is for many people. Yeah. And so. I mean, that's the thing. I, um, I know people who were on medication and are like still on medication. I know people who are on medication and then went off of it. And um, like I said, I think I just in my head had built up so many things where, like I said, I was like, 
oh my gosh, this is the last resort. Like this is complete failure. Like I need Mm -hmm. medication, but like people take medication all the time for things. And it's, um, I think I was watching, uh, what's her name? Kristen Bell. And she was talking about how like she, you know, takes medication, like just like even a little bit to help her because she needs it sort of. And I think, I like, I don't even know why that is a stigma. Like I don't, It, there, it's so funny that there is such a difference between like physical health and mental health, but a lot of the times, like they coincide with each other, like they both mm-hmm. can affect each other. And I think the difference is that mental health is so much harder. Like you have to work on it all the time. And um, I think until someone goes through it, they're like, oh, because I, I mean, I remember like not being like, oh, people can just get over it, but just not really understanding it because it does feel like, oh, well, like if you're depressed, you should just go outside and and take a walk and sort of thing. Yeah. And, and But like until you're in it, you don't realize how hard that is to like – like I literally had people forcing me to go on walks and like going outside always made me feel better. But mm-hmm. you're just in such a space where you're like – I can't do anything and it's yeah and 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 it literally just feels like you need to be dragged and um and so I think it is kind of like until you go through something so I think it's made me a lot more compassionate going through this is um to never you know dismiss what someone's going through and just really trying to just be supportive and whatever they need Mm -hmm. but yeah trying not to judge as much Mm -hmm. Especially with people, even people you do know and friends or like even strangers, like someone's rude to you all of a sudden, like, or says something weird or like, I've, uh, yeah, just going through stuff myself is just Mm -hmm. trying to judge less. Yeah. They might be judging me and like, they don't know what I've gone through. Mm -hmm. through. Um, So there's that. But then also the point you made about physical health versus mental health. Mm -hmm. And we alluded, or not alluded to, I straight up said it earlier about the doctor analogy with yeah, knee yeah, yeah. hurting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mental health isn't always visible. Yeah. So you, your knee hurts, you have a knee brace on it mm-hmm. and you have crutches, right? And like, okay, cool. That's going to help alleviate the pressure off your knee and you can walk. Yeah. And then, like after a certain period of time, you get better. Yeah. And then you do physical therapy and you rehab and then you're better. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no like set in stone path exactly for anything like for any sort of uh, mental illness. Yeah. And unless you visibly hurt yourself and like harm yourself, like there's no physical appearance changes that are directly tied to mental health. Exactly. Because like bags under your eyes, like super tired, you can't sleep. Maybe you have insomnia or you're so like depressed and anxious about stuff Mm -hmm. and you have panic attacks all night. Yeah. That could be why you have bags under your eyes. Yeah. Or you're just studying all night cramming. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, it's impossible to tell. Um, so that's why I think a lot of people are so quick to dismiss mental health, um, mental health illness as mm-hmm. a real thing. Yeah. Because they can't physically see it. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that I also struggle with, I remember one time my mom, she was like, I, cause I was always like, I just need to get over this. Or I was like, I need to get better sort of thing. And she's like, I think this is just going to be something you deal with for the rest of your life. And I was like, mm. and I was like, no. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but I think it's true. Um, I think that's why, like, cause I think I looked at 
mental illness as like a like oh I broke my leg I'm gonna you know do this and fix it and then I'll be fine again you know sort of thing whereas like I was saying it's a constant thing to deal with and it take that's why I think it takes so much more work because you're mm-hmm. always dealing with it sort of and um and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing it's just having to come to terms with it and um because I do think you you do grow a lot when you have to work with something and I Mm -hmm. and I mean there's people who have chronic conditions all the time and it's just learning to to cope with it and not see it as such a horrible thing I guess like or seeing it as like this is something I need to just get rid of and um that was the thing that was kind of the turning point for me because I think I got so like paranoid about death all the time and my dad was like you have to just keep living your life though and I kind of made that mental switch of like I can either just stay inside and um just free not do anything um it's gonna sound super morbid but it helped me when I uh I was like I can do something and then if I die at least like I died doing something instead of doing mm-hmm. nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that motivates me where it's like, I want these, I don't want to limit myself just because I'm scared. Like going to LA, like I said, I want to travel and I don't want my anxiety or stuff like that to stop me from living my life because those are ultimately things I want. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to have a successful career and I want to be able to pursue what I want to pursue. And I think I just had to realize that. And that's why I said sometimes like pushing through is a good thing. Um, But I think it's just working towards something that you actually want to work towards because then you have that motivation to keep going. Whereas me trying to push through in the film industry was just, it was a, it was never going to, it wasn't going to go well. (laughs) It was just, and maybe it would have, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I don't know, but I know that's not what I wanted to pursue. And, um, like I have a friend who also majored in cinema with me and we went through kind of similar things and she is now like studying to be a nurse and she's loving it. And she went through the same things of feeling like a failure, but like, she's loving this now. She, it's like stressful, obviously, but it's, it's, I don't know. I think there's something really cool in realizing that like, Hey, this is a path I thought I wanted to go down and then realizing this isn't actually what I want to do. And then feeling, you know, and then finding something that you want to be doing or I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. It's more fulfilling. It's coming from within. Mm-hmm. It's not peer pressure from family or parents yeah. or society to, Oh, you didn't finish school or you're not using your yeah. degree. It's like coming from you. You're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah. Um, So that, and you're way more driven and motivated and disciplined to push through Mm -hmm. because that's what you want to do. You're not letting anyone else dictate how that goes. Yeah. Um, And one, one more jump back Mm -hmm. of the physical health versus mental health. I think I was just almost chuckling to myself because I was thinking about this, like, some days I can't go outside because flowers defeat me. Like I, <laughs> oh, I'm a, really I have really bad allergies. <laughs> I have really bad allergies. And like physically you see me like running, eye, like runny nose, watery eye. It's like, it's like sneezing and I head off like itchy throat. Yeah. Like, I lose to the outside. Yeah. Like what? And I like, you know, and it's very common to take Claritin 
or Zyrtec or yeah. whatever to like help with that. Yeah. Why not? Like what's the difference between something way more serious and harmful? Yeah. Like going, um, your own head and your own thoughts and your own um, like chemicals in your mm-hmm. body to take medicine to like help with that. Yeah. There's, there's not much difference. There's not, it's, it's just a stigma not, around it. Yeah. And I'm not saying everyone, I'm not, no, by no means saying everyone should be on medication. Yeah. But if you feel that you have one of these conditions and, and I'm not a medical person, mm-hmm. but no advice. Don't, I'm not, this is not legally binding. Listen to Matt. He is. I'm not a, I'm not a <laughs> you should at least explore it and talk to a medical mm-hmm. professional about it and not let the stigma um, stop you is basically, I think what we're both. Saying. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I know people who, you know, were going through things and really did not want to take medication and that's totally fine. Like if that's a personal choice and mm-hmm. you're doing things that are helpful for you and not like, you know, using drugs or alcohol to try to mask it, then like by all means go for it. But I think like what you're saying, if you're, cause for me, it definitely was the stigma of it um that was preventing me from taking it originally and um i think like you said like seeking medical professional opinions is definitely the way to go instead of just like i don't know i'm very like i said i'm very pro a lot of that stuff but just ultimately just do whatever you feel you need to do Mm -hmm. sort of does that make sense (laughs) yeah yeah it makes sense so he, um, listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want to keep doing something, don't do it. Like you, you your career was like set yeah. and you went to school for this thing and you're like, no, I'm literally getting sick mm-hmm. physically from this thing. Yeah. I'm going to go do this thing instead. And it's been two years and you're doing awesome now Yeah, and mm-hmm. made so much progress and you're like still working hard, still mm-hmm. stressed, but um, you're, you're working and in school yeah. again, or, um, being a dietitian. Yeah. Um, so like just any like parting words of, to kind of wrap up that, um, surprise it in a little bit. I think, I think just for me, one of my biggest things is be compassionate to yourself. I think, um, something I learned in therapy that was super helpful for me was realizing that, I'm very kind and compassionate towards everyone else but myself. And this thing I like to do that um, he taught me, it's so silly, but like it really helps is for me to see my brain as like a different thing and treat it as a friend. So whenever I get really anxious, I'm like, I'll even like give myself a little hug. And like, um, I know I was talking to my mom about it one time. She was like, it sounds like, you know, you're having multiple personalities. And I was like, no, it's just like me being able to be compassionate towards something else more than just myself. So essentially I see my brain as like a little friend that I have and I'm like, Oh, it's okay, brain. Like, I know you're stressed. Like, I know, um, like, I know you're trying to help me and you're trying to protect me, but like, it's okay. Like we got this sort of thing. And, um, and I find that to be super helpful. And I've told other people and that they find that kind of thinking easier because a lot of us, I think do struggle being kind to ourselves and, um, so I think that's something is really being compassionate to yourself and then also not worrying so much about what other people think. I know I'm, I try to work on that a lot about like, Oh, people are going to think it's weird that I'm doing this or I don't know. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves because 
we think people are going to be so concerned with what we're doing and reality no one is <laughs> no one cares yeah. no one gives Everyone's a shit busy focused on their own <laughs> yeah. stuff yeah and so. it's just really like kind of like you're saying listen to yourself be compassionate and just ultimately don't give a fuck about anyone else and it's you know i think that's the best route to go awesome do your thing focus on you yeah. P- keep going forward mm-hmm. uh don't be afraid to live yeah because you'd rather live and do shit rather than be so scared of living that you don't actually. Yeah. That's and thing. you end up, you end up dying inside yeah. so early, but then you've like, you live 80 more years. Yeah. And like, that's not any good. For that's sure. not fulfilling. That's, that's full of regret later on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. uh, it was really um, interesting and uh, relatable and empathetic discussion we yeah. had. Um, I could talk about on. it forever, but I know. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I literally could have a second podcast of just about that, yeah, yeah. this sort of thing. Um, but moving on um, to the next little segment mm-hmm. I do with all my guests is called That One Thing. If you're able to talk to everyone in the world all at once, what would you say and why? It could be a life truth, a universal thing that you find to be um, very helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be through a video message. It could just be a simple sentence on a sheet of paper, any medium. What's that one thing, Kylie? Um, well, I thought that's kind of the segment you were doing earlier, but I will reiterate it. It's, <laughs> um, just be compassionate to yourself and also don't be afraid to let people help you. I think mm. that's, uh, something that's really important. And I think allowing people to help you and, um, just being open and honest because then it allows other people to be open and honest. And I think it just creates a more um, genuine connection with people. And I think that's just kind of how everyone should be with everyone. I think yeah. feeling, I know like if you share something, someone else feels a lot more comfortable to share. And um, ultimately that's how the world goes around, I think. <laughs> but yeah. really being compassionate to yourself and um, letting people help you especially if they yep. want to help you. You peel back a layer of your own onion and like someone's more likely to share something about themselves yeah, yeah. For sure. and like be kind and nice and mm-hmm. whatnot. Cool. Uh, well, that kind of wraps it up for today. Kylie, if anyone wants to talk to you more mm-hmm. or follow you in your journey between um, being a photographer mm-hmm. and a dietitian, where can they find you at? Yeah. So basically one of the things with my anxiety too was that I decided to um, still have my creative side be kind of, you know, there and everything. So I got into photography. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, you can see a lot of kind of like the photography I like to do, which is portrait photography. And it's at um, bubblegum.ky. So bubblegum.ky. And then also in the same vein of dealing with my anxiety and everything i made a youtube channel for funsies so if you wanted to see me there it's also bubblegum kai because that does awesome stuff. those will be tagged and linked uh kylie thanks for coming on today thanks for having me and being so vulnerable and just being a wonderful guest yep uh, it was really fun you. i was kind of nervous <laughs> but this was cool <laughs> yeah good yeah yeah um this is maybe within the first 10 episodes I'm doing. So I'm still learning a lot as well. And so uh, I'm just glad to uh, have had the opportunity to connect. Cause I know we rescheduled a couple of times. So yeah. Okay. One, to... one time. 
just once? Yeah, it was just the one time. Okay. I apologize. I'm <laughs> Um, well thanks again for your time mm-hmm. and um i will talk to you all guys next time thanks for listening if you like the podcast please share it then leave a rating and review if you haven't already have an awesome day